teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Welcome on to the Baseline Podcast. Uh, another great guest today. We have Dante Ross, Grammy Award winner and music producer. How are you going today, my man? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, before we talk some hoops, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your career in music? Sure. I'm um, a, a long-time A&R guy, record producer, um, signed a lot of groups, Old Dirty Bastard, um, Buster Rhymes, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, MF Doom when he was in KMD. I produced lots of groups. Oh, I helped sign De La Soul, um, Queen Latifah, Digital Underground. Um, I also produced Everlast, Whitey Ford Sings the Blues. Um, I produced a ton of groups, Grand Poobah, Anthony Hamilton, Macy Gray, Carlos Santana, Korn. Um, I won a Grammy for Carlos Santana. Um, and I've just made music most of my life. So, I love it. I love it, man. Thank you so much for um for yeah taking time out of your your. You're in New shit. Zealand, by the way. <laughs> I am in New Zealand, by the way, my man. Isn't that I great? This group. There's a group from New Zealand I love called Oh, who's that? Fat Freddy. Fat Freddy's Drop. Oh yes, Fat Freddy's. Yeah, uh, so yeah. There's a dude. They're there's great. There's a dude that I pick up with from Fat Freddy's. I like those guys a lot. I like the kid, um, the singer, man, Joe, Joe Dookie. He can sing, man. That guy's great. Yeah. Yeah. Joe's, Joe's the man. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah, cool, I'm, man. I, I met him when he came over here with um, my friend, Kirk, who's from, from New Zealand. He's, um, I'll, he's I'll, a Kiwi. He lives here. Yeah. I love yeah, it. I'll, I'll give him a shout out. Um, Please do. So growing up in, in New York in the seventies and eighties, what was the what was the hoop scene like back then in New York? Well, the 70s predates me a little bit. I was a little young to be out there watching basketball. Um, but I'd hear about it. You know, it was obviously the heyday of Rucker and Dr. J was a, a New York legend. You know, he um, he went to Rucker in the early 70s and got busy. And this guy named Pete Vesey actually coached him, a famous writer. Um, Pete Vesey is like a New York. He, he's kind of the guy who invented um, you could say that the NBA today is based on the ethos of, of Pete Vesey. He was very sarcastic. He wrote for the post and he wrote a basketball column called Vesey speaks. And, and, um, he kind of is where I, I got a lot of my knowledge for early seventies and seventies street basketball guys like Pee Wee Kirkland and obviously Dr. J and helicopter Herbert Ramsour and, and, um, uh, who's the big dude, um, uh, Obviously, Connie Hawkins, but I'm forgetting a couple of names, and and uh, guys of that nature. Helicopter was was one of the famous ones. Oh, Joe Joe the Destroyer Hammond. Those are all '70s legends, and and then uh, you know that intrigued me about street basketball. I start, started to know there was a basketball culture outside of organized basketball, and yeah. uh, I, I played basketball in high school. I was I was never exceptionally good. I didn't make my high school team. I went to a school that Lorenzo Charles actually went to, who who helped win the finals at NC State with the missed shot. He got the dunk um, in, in uh, I want to say, 84 um, and, no, 83 and um, against Houston. So, so um, you know, but I played ball, man, my whole life. I was I was never tremendous, but I love to play basketball. Um, I'm tall and I can jump, but I, my handle was suspect. 
and I, and um, I don't like to play no defense. I can shoot. So that said, um, that said, uh, um, you know, I was intrigued by the the culture of street basketball. I live not that far from West Fourth Street, which was a decent downtown core, probably the best. And they have a summer league that's kind of famous. But I started to watch guys up at Rucker and at CCNY in the eighties, and I saw guys like, um, you know, I, I saw guys like who made the NBA, guys like. Rod Strickland and a guy named Derek Chivius who played for Missouri. He was an All-American who I knew. Um, Boo Harvey, who who went to Andrew Jackson High School at the time, but he played at St. John's. And, of course, people like Walter Berry and and, um, Chris Mullen, who who I knew. Um, I knew his brothers. And uh, a a bunch of guys of that nature, like um, I'm trying to think other ballplayers who made the league I knew. Um, I have a friend, Jack Ryan, Hungry Jack. He's a schoolyard legend. Sam Worthen, who went to – um, who, who went to North Carolina, um, and Ed Davender, bug eye, who went to Kentucky, and a bunch of guys, you know, they were all like schoolyard legends. And I saw a lot of those guys play when they were in high school and in college. And they would play at, at places like Rucker or CCNY or West Fort Street or Solon Hole in Brooklyn. And I saw a lot of those guys, Albert King and people like that. So I saw a lot of guys who were great players as kids, Kenny the Jet Smith, et cetera. So I always was really intrigued by um, street basketball. And then there were guys who didn't make the league, like, you know, um, uh, a guy named Tip Dog or Nappy Red or Rob Mathias, Master Rob, um, a lot of guys like that, Tony Hargraves, Lefty Tony, and these guys are all, you know, schoolyard legend players as well. Uh, White Jesus, Chris Avignon, Soul Man, all these guys who I saw play when I was a kid. And in high school, I say a kid, a teenager. And I literally loved to go, you know, I went to Rucker, me and my friend, Mark Pearson, who played at Columbia, who played high school basketball, who's all city, AKA flamboyant. Me and Mark would go up and Pete nice and watch games. And I see, you know, there was no white people up there except Sonny Bucaro. And we were up there, you know, maybe Chris Mullen and we watched the games and, you know, we were basketball kids and we love basketball. We just were the, the culture of basketball to me, was always actually in a, in a way uh, similar to hip hop. It was, yeah. We knew about this stuff that people didn't know about, just like I knew about certain rap things that people didn't know about because it wasn't co-opted yet. So, you know, yes. Rafer Alston is a direct translate. He's a direct descendant of the guys I'm talking about, Skip the Malu. And I saw Skip play up at Rucker before he made the league, and he was the best player in New York City. I mean, he was Man. tremendous. You know, he was one of the greatest schoolyard players ever. And Skip played... Skip grew up with guys like like Tip Dog and Nappy Red and all them. He's seen those dudes play. A guy named Dancing Doogee. And Doogee is a guy who invented dancing with the ball, which Skip did, which is a, you know, it's a crossover, the one-hand crossover, and they dance with the ball. They do the little boogie on you. He was the guy who, the first guy I ever heard of doing it, Dancing Doogee. And Doogee means heroin. So Dancing yeah. Doogee was dope. He was dancing and doping you. So, you know, that's where Skip got a lot of that from. So that part of basketball, like me, guys like me, Bobito, Pete Nice, my man's sake, we uh, we studied that shit. That shit was too very similar to hip hop, to breaks and beats and knowing what, what, where, and who did what. So, you know, there was a correlation. Yeah. So as hip hop became more mainstream in the, in the obviously like the 80s and then as your, your formative years, when you're talking about the 90s as well, how did hoops yeah. and hip hop start to form the connection that we know it as it is now? I think a lot of kids were like me um, who became successful, like Puff and Fat Joe and them, and they, they helped re, reinvigorate the EBT, the Rucker League. And they, you know, I went up and watched some of those games, and, and you know, that was incredible. Yeah, I, got, I mean, AI was out there, you know, Steph, 
AI, uh, who's my man, Joe, the big dude, um, Joe Smith, um, just all kinds of college cats was out there. Uh, McNasty, Conrad McCray, my man, Derek Canada, um, all these guys were out there playing ball and they were playing for, you know, guys who were in the rap business. Like they were playing for the two big teams were Bad Joe's squad, Terror Squad and, and Puff's Bad Boy team. And they would go at it. <clears throat> and actually Bad Joe's team won. And they were, you know, there was, I think they were finessing getting those guys in in the squad and getting them out there playing. But it was pretty, pretty cool to see all these guys out there. And, you know, guys like Gary Payton had been known to show up and put it on dudes. And, you know, lots of people over the years went in and showed up there and played. I mean, Rod has always been known in his younger days to go up to Rucker and, and hurt dudes because Rod has a great street game and he could really play. And, and, you know, guys like that. So, I, you know, it was very connected. And all of us, I think, the culture of basketball, at least in New York City, is always connected to street street people and street culture and hip hop's a part of street culture. Yeah, I love I love that. What to the Knicks the Knicks were obviously like amazing in the in the nineties and then I mean they through- were they were like, you know, they were a brutal team. Like they were they were, you know, they didn't they they couldn't play that kind of basketball in the NBA today. That should be out of here. You can't you can't <laughs> touch people like that. But you know, I was a diehard Nick fan. I had season tickets and actually I, I sat with Mark Ronson for a couple of years, we had adjoining seats. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, man, I was at all those games. I was at the garden for all of it. You know, I was there yeah. when LJ did the, you know, he hit the, the four pointer, he hit the three and got the foul shot. I was there yeah. when the fights happened. I seen Van Gundy get dragged along the floor. Like I seen it all. Like I was at every game. So yeah, yeah. every home yeah. game I went to. So what's it like? I know it's only been a season, what is it like now um, that the Knicks are relevant again? I mean, I know it's only been one year, but it, are, are people starting to to really yeah, support? Yeah, I, I think people support the Knicks again. I mean, I live in LA, so it's hard for me to really feel it, like you know, yeah. on the ground. But but uh, you know, I'm a diehard Nick fan, like regardless, no matter how stinky they are, how how mediocre <laughs> they are, and right now they're like great above mediocre. They're like good, not great. They're almost good. Um, they have a great coach, Thibodeau, you know, he coaches defense, yeah. which is, which is a lost art in basketball these days. And, and, you know, defense wins games. So the Knicks have, they, they overachieved this year. They don't really have a great team. Um, yeah. And they also have a dated offense. You can't run everything to a slow big man, you know, no. Randall, as good as he is and as good as the season was, you can't run your offense through that and think you're going to win. You, you have to have a James Harden or, you know, you have to have a Chris Paul, someone who's a facilitator who can score and distribute the ball and the Knicks don't have that. Yeah, agree, agreed. Yeah, I, my thoughts on the on the current Knicks is they have a great defense, but they haven't really found the guy. Like maybe it's RJ Barrett. I don't feel like they. I don't found think he is. I don't guy. think RJ Barrett is. I think RJ yeah. Barrett's a role player, and, and it's funny yeah. if you look at the Knicks. The Knicks haven't had a great point guard since maybe Mark Jackson or Rod Strickland. Like even when they were good in the nineties, they never had a great point guard. For yeah. some reason, the Knicks have never adjusted to the fact that that you need a great point guard to win these days. You, you know, do. yeah, it's, it's well, fucking what, weird. Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah. So, to, so, and and that's the thing I think with the Knicks is that the if they want to get back, like the Garden will always rock. You know, MSG will always rock regardless of um of the players you have there. But I feel for it to the Knicks to truly return to like it being the mecca there, they need to have st- like proper star players, like all NBA players. I mean, they did. They needed Damon Lillard. 
You know, they need Lillard or someone like that who can really yeah. do it. Not that he's going to guard anyone really, but, you know, he's yeah. – I mean, we need a guy who can do it all, who can distribute, who can hit the big shot. And, you know, that comes that comes usually in, in the one, occasionally in the two, and now we have the hybrid players who are like a one-two, right, because point guards are very different these days than when I was a kid because I grew up point guards were pass first, right? And that's yeah. called a, pla- a, a, a pass first classic point guard, right? And, and maybe yeah. the last guy we saw like that was – Maybe Stockton. I guess Steve Nash was kind of that because Steve Nash could have probably scored more his whole career and he didn't. Chris Paul yeah. was a pass first too. Because, yeah. you know, Chris Paul could probably score 20-something a game, so could Steve Nash. But they looked to move the rock. And I think the Knicks need one of those guys. Yeah, Some, someone else. Is- I, I was always a fan of the of the guy, the pass first, move the rock, true point guard. You yeah. know, and then we got this, when we got Marbury and AI, Stevie Francis, we got these players who were the the hybrid. They could score twenty five a game, average twenty five plus a game, and and move the rock. But to me, that doesn't usually make your team that much better. And and Lillard is kind of case in point. Not that he has a great team around him, but I would rather have a young, healthy Chris Paul probably than Damon Lillard because he's a facilitator. You know, James Harden is an aberration. He does something that no one does. Yeah, like I the agree. guy can score. He can move the ball. Like he can play defense if he wants to. He's just the next level player. What about like what about someone like John Moran? I mean, John Moran is amazing. He's got a huge future. And John Morant also, um, he his size um belies how physical he plays. I mean, he's yeah. a tremendous player. I, I I have I have uh high hopes for him. I loved him in college and and I love him in the pros. He's he's a great player. I mean you know, and then you got, I mean, you got Trey Young. I mean, he's fucking, he ain't going to, he can't man. guard a shadow because he's so little, but Jesus Christ, he's instant offense. Yeah. I mean, the guy is like, reminds me of AI a little bit. I mean, he, yeah. he can't, you know, AI was stronger and, and played better defense, right? Because AI had such quick hands. He could, he could rip you, but, but man, Trey Young is, he's a tremendous player. He's very exciting. I like him a lot. I didn't really like him until, I got to see him in the playoffs. I, I didn't know he was as good as he was. I didn't know yeah. his heart was so big. He he. What I think I love is he has that fuck you attitude. And like he, he came into the garden and I I mean, he had, a, he had a great year, but I didn't expect the Hawks to be that good. And then when he was hitting these big shots, he just had the sort of persona and attitude about him and way that he played that meant he could play bigger on the big stage. And not a lot of I mean, guys... That's what, I, that's what I meant about AI, because he's like, AI had heart. he just come in and he'll stab you in your neck. Like, Trey Young yeah. was the same thing. He's like, I got the dagger. Fuck out of here. I mean, he yeah. did it. He single-handedly beat the Knicks. I mean, yeah. they had no answer for him. He, you know? he just he just rolled them. What, so... Yeah. Whether you're living now in LA, do you do you, do you you go and see games at Staples or... Um, I've, I haven't gone because of the pandemic, so I didn't go. Yeah. I had gone sparingly, but but I'm not a Laker or a Clipper fan, and I would probably yeah. go to a Clipper game before the Lakers. I'm, my dad liked the Lakers. I'm like a Laker hater. Like, of course, <laughs> you know, I respect them, but that's not my squad. Like, yeah. that's Everlasting B-Real. They love them. Those are good friends of mine, and, and we would always talk shit about basketball. Like, I was literally at the, the final game, Lakers were Sixers in Philly. I drove up and went to the game, and – and I, we were tweeting, talking shit, and they were like, "Your man's going down," and they did go down. But you know, I was I was a humongous AI fan. He's my favorite player, probably modern yeah. player of all time. Him and Pistol Pete, that's my OG. You know, yeah. Pistol Pete Maravich, and and uh, the modern guys, man. It's it's 
you know, I love Steve Nash's game too, but man, AI is my guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think AI and current hoops discourse is like, he's become, and I don't want to use the word overrated because that's not how I believe it to be, but it's the recency bias of hoops discourse means people forget how great AI was. Well, I feel like AI was a game changer. He was the first hybrid point guard to like, you know, officially the hybrid point guard. Like he really was that guy who will get you seven, eight assists a game and 25 points. And, and the one thing he did that none of the other hybrids do, he played defense um, in the beginning of his career, at least before he had yeah. health problems. So, yeah. you know, to me, AI, um, and I followed him in college. I remember when he had the dunk off the miss foul shot against Syracuse and you know, I was a huge AI fan. Yeah. Georgetown. I had, I have every AI Jersey. I have, hey. I have three, three Philly jerseys and a Georgetown Jersey. I, <laughs> I love AI. I've always loved them. And what AI did more than that, AI was, he's the turn turning point for when the NBA became the hip hop league, the hip hop pro yeah. sports league. He's the guy yeah. who was like, he's like, you know, I am every, every hip hop is my soundtrack and I embody hip hop and everything I do. And I'm going to wear a gold chain. I'm going to have swag and I'm be who I am unapologetically, whether you like it or not. And to me, that was very embellic of, of being part of the hip hop generation where we have players, of course, who loved hip hop, even Chris Mullen, like, you know, a white guy from Brooklyn, he loved hip hop and people are like, like Mark Jackson or Rod Strickland, they're hip hop fans, but, but hip hop, and AI were one, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and to me, he yeah. really was that public thing that said, um, you know, that's why they got the dress code because AI was not yes. adhering to shit, right? He's the reason because <laughs> he came out with his Cartier shades and he had yeah. his chains on and he had the cornrows and he's wearing a, a white tee. He don't give a fuck or his jersey or whatever yeah. he's going to wear. He's swagged out. And that's why they got the dress code because of him because he was, he was giving the middle finger to everybody. Yeah, he changed the league. And I think that, when when people give a case as to why you know Michael Jordan changed basketball was you know a lot of it was sneaker culture. If you right, if you buy into that, then you have to buy into what AI did for the league fashion wise, and oh, the yeah. ba the baggy gears that the kids were wearing all around the world in the in the you know two thousands. Like a lot of it comes back to that, and he changed he changed the culture and changed the way that. He changed, see, like, like Mike changed the culture of basketball and he had Nike to help him change the, the culture of fashion, you know, and take kind of, he kind of took basketball fashion outside of just basketball fans, right? So yeah. he kind of did that and with the apparel and the sneakers, of course, and, and I had every Jordan, I, you know, I'm a Jordan fanatic, but Jordan culturally was, was of the status quo. I heard he yeah. hated hip hop. He's not a hip hop dude. Right. That's yep. just not him. I heard he listened to Tony Braxton and shit like that. And he would tell people to turn that shit off. And he's <laughs> not a hip hop dude. You know, he had his attitude, of course. He has swagger for days. But but AI yep. was like, you know, AI was like he was like rapping Jay-Z or some shit. He was like a basketball Jay. Like he didn't give yeah. a fuck, you know, and, yeah. and Jordan didn't have that same thing. And it's funny because Jordan's apparel and his kicks. Were, I, I never like Reeboks. I never wore Reeboks. And I know for a fact that when AI played in the league and was the Reebok guy, he wore Air Force Ones all the time. He wore white and whites nonstop because yeah. he would go to the store in, in Harlem called Atmos. And he would drive down his Bentley and leave it double parked in front of Atmos or run in and get, <laughs> he, I think he's a size 10. He's my size or maybe a 10 and a half. And he would get all the white and white 10s they had there. And he'd buy like 20, um, we call them Uwees, 
you know, white, white t-shirts, the big XL t-shirts. And, yeah. and he would leave his car running. I heard he would just, he would take whatever he had on and leave it in the store, put on a new pair, and then bring him out to the car and he'd tip him. Cause my man Kenji worked there. He tipped him a couple hundred dollars. He'd be like, Kenji, I got you. And my man would be like, AI came in. He had AI. He has a pair of white on white Air Force is signed by AI. That's you know, crazy, man. That's and, crazy. And that's, that's also, that's AI with the fuck you to the world. Like, fuck everybody. <laughs> AI, fuck, you know. and his boys his boys they all had they all wore this all the same shit too like his, his yeah uncle, yeah because yeah he had everyone dressed like him and yeah i, don't know, I, I met him i met him one time he got he came to my birthday party in new york we had this big party and he was he was upstairs with some some guys i know some heavy cats and and they had called me up there to have a toast with them and and, they were, and ai was there and he said happy birthday to me and i, I almost shit on myself i was so <laughs> I mean, he, he's Allen Iverson, man. You know, I'm not yeah. starstruck by much, but yeah. Allen Iverson is, he's the, yeah. the greatest. To me, my favorite player ever. I can't say he's the greatest player ever because Jordan's the greatest player ever. Yeah. And I would say LeBron and Kobe were probably, we're, we're better players than, than Allen Iverson too. But pound for pound, uh, Allen Iverson was the greatest because he's my size. You got to yeah, remember, yeah. like, you know, I'm 6'1", 165 pounds when, I, when I'm in shape. I'm 175 now. But he, <laughs> he's about my size, you know, so. Um, yeah. That was another thing to stand next to AI. You're looking at your, some of those, your physical, you know, your physical yes. equals on some level, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, he, he was, he was larger than life, man. And I, and I think now when you, you look at guys that are coming into the league, like social media age has changed because it's so much more accessible. You can see league fits on anyone every, on every single night, but there, there are still very few players that are different, like what I, what, what AI was like. Right, because everyone's hip hop now, so it's not so different, right? Like yeah. we haven't had that many different players. Like who's my man? Birdman. He was different. He Birdman was, was kind of like he's kind of like punk rock. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know he yeah. looked he looked crazy with the mohawk. I never really. I mean, his game was trash to me. He was a hack, but but yeah. you know he was different, and that that kind of actually really helped him. And the fact that Shaq always bigged him up, but um, yeah. you know, there's not that many people who who are left field in basketball anymore. And being unapologetic is part of the game. I mean, Barkley was like AI, an unapologetic player. He never apologized for who he was, but he's not a hip hop dude. No, no. You know, and, and look, I love Barkley, and there was a reason why his unapologetic nature is exactly why Chuck D name checked him, right? I'll throw it down your throat <laughs> like Barkley. Like he, because, you know, Barkley was, I mean, and Barkley, like as a player, when, when I was a kid, I loved Barkley because he's smaller, undersized to everyone. He's 6'6. Six, six, and led the league of rebounding. He's just a savage. And, you know, yeah. he's a great player. Barkley was, like, in a way, like AI, very entertaining to watch. And, yeah. look, I always say it. Steve Nash was incredibly entertaining to watch. So was Kobe. So was LeBron. So was Steph Curry. You know, so was Pistol Pete Maravich. So was Kareem, for what it's worth. You know, so, so you know, Larry Bird. Like, and and um, Trey Young could be one of those players. John Morant yeah. is very entertaining to watch. Um, yeah. Shit, man. Um, what's my man? Sp um, Spider is, you know, I love watching Donovan Mitchell. He's nasty. Damon yeah. Lillard. There's the NBA's in good hands. There's a lot of young players who are very exciting to watch. Like, I like watching basketball again. There were a few years I wasn't as enthused to watch ball as I am now. And yeah, it coincides yeah. with the Knicks stinking, by the way. <laughs> it was probably the early 2000s then. I had a guest on, we talked about that a, lot, a, a few weeks ago, was that the early 2000s, you know, there were some great players drafted, but 
you didn't truly hit that star driven league until probably like oh five oh six oh seven because it started coming back with with oklahoma when 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 durant and you know russ russ started getting busy like that was like that was when i kind of got more into it again and um Westbrook is a confounding player to mention someone who's great. He's great, but his his um, stats are always better than he is as a player. And look, he's a lockdown defender, and he wants to be. He can rebound. He can pass the rock. He can score. He he has an ego based game. He shoots too fucking much. He's not a great teammate, and he'll probably never get a ring. Um, and he probably won't get a ring because he he never would adjust his game. Like yes. if he just moved the rock and played defense. He could probably be on a championship squad, but his ego will never let him do that. Yeah, yeah, and like that—that's what makes guys. That's what makes the NBA what it is because you have the the fan bases that those type of players have are crazy. Like Westbrook has, and almost similar to Kobe, you know, that has that. But Kobe, that, Kobe was, but Kobe adjusted his game to he be did. part of a team, you he know, did. and and Kobe, um. First 10 years in the league, played lockdown defense. He was a lockdown defender. Westbrook played defense for a couple of years and then just stopped playing defense. He stopped yeah. caring. And yeah. um, he's so physically gifted, it's frustrating to watch him. You know, I mean, Kobe, man, I love Kobe, though. Like, as a yeah. player, he was just amazing to watch. He was not necessarily my favorite personality, but yeah. he was a hell of a player, man, and big money game shot guy. It's funny though. I I will say I probably rate LeBron above Kobe. Yeah, and and I'll say it because he's a more physical player, and LeBron never has been Defensive Player of the Year. Should have been Defensive Player of the Year several times. He is yes. the he's the best defender at his position I might have ever seen. He always guards the highest scoring player on the other team. The two or the three can play both positions. Plays three positions naturally on the floor, and to me, like. You know, LeBron James, I, I feel like we talk about being unapologetic. So LeBron James is unapologetic in in his way that he fights for black people. And I think that's part of the reason some people don't like LeBron James. He is an unapologetic, strong black man, financially empowered and, yeah. and relatively, you know, articulate and intelligent. And he um, he's not having it. He's yeah. not. Um, he doesn't have the grace that Mike had or or others had, and I think that that's part of the reason why people don't um, they don't rate him a higher player than they should. Look, also part of his physicality, he's he's not necessarily a good looking dude, right? Like you know, no dude grows up and goes like, I want to look like LeBron James, right? Yeah. But like you want to look like Kobe or a Mike, right? They're like kind of you know more marketable, and yeah. I think that those are the reasons sometimes why LeBron isn't given the flowers he deserves because. LeBron to me is the second best player who ever played basketball. My dad yeah. would say Jerry West. I never saw Jerry West, so I can't comment. But yeah. my dad said Jerry West. They could. They. My dad said they don't have enough money in the world to pay Jerry West in his prime in the NBA because he's like Jerry West could score thirty a game, get you ten assists, and he played lockdown defense, was could jump higher than anyone. And I was like, yeah. he's like, yo, he's like, he never dunked, but he's like, he played above the rim. He was a tremendous player and physically bigger than most players he played against in that era. Yeah, Jerry West. Jerry he's one West. of the first. He's one yeah. of the first big guards. Him and Oscar Robertson. Robertson yeah. was six seven. Jerry was six four, six five, and people weren't that big playing the one. And he's when you think about it, he's actually the first hybrid ever. He's a point yeah. guard. He's a, a two and a one at the same time. He yeah. and he went back and forth in his career several times. 
Yeah, LeBron. Talking on LeBron as well, I I think what he's done is he's been able to change the game from a player power perspective. When you look at, he has his own media company. He obviously started uninterrupted. But what he did with Rich Paul, uh, like it or love it, is that he changed the NBA in terms of, you know, how guys were able to get paid. And like that's, that is now I the, mean, the, the. I would the, say that Mike kind of did that, did that initially. Mike, and even Kareem before Mike, um, heavily endorsed, but but I say Mike really did that. And, you know, Dr. J, too, he, he got equity in Coca Cola and a Coca Cola distribution. Distribu- distribution center in in philadelphia um which no one had and he for doing the coke ads so you know don't don't get it fucked up he's the first guy to really be an empowered black athlete and people yes. follow suit but but lebron took it to a next level right yes. lebron really was empowered and he's not apologetic about that with his own team with maverick carter and rich paul and you have to respect that he demands respect on that level and and i love it he's like you know he's like jay-z like He's like a, a, a black leader. And, you know, we need more of that. Basketball. See, what I love about the NBA is the NBA realized, which no other sport realized, that that its, its, um, its workforce was black and they needed to respect that. Yes. Right? And the NBA didn't fight it being a hip-hop league because they knew that was the soundtrack and the lifestyle that was adjacent to their their players to their workforce and they accepted yeah. it and began to market looking towards it. They were smarter than every other professional sport in doing that. And, and I, I would say that was probably, you know, it was, it was, um, David Stern. I would, I would assume who did that, who, who yeah. ran with that. And obviously Adam Silver is his protege, but I, but I think that that is what separates the NBA and is why the NBA continues to prosper and be, the, the league and the sport, basketball being a sport that the youth are most attracted to. Yeah. It's, it's it has a it's yeah. a lifestyle sport. Football yes. and and basketball, I mean baseball are not lifestyle. Yeah. It's and it's it's relevant. Like how many I don't I don't know shit about NFL or, or baseball, but how many faces could could a uh, a strong or an NFL or a baseball fan, how many faces of players could they could they tell you you know what i mean or for american football i mean a hundred percent because look basketball outside of soccer which we call soccer you guys call it football is the biggest international sport in the world other than yeah. other than football right than yeah. european football and yeah. there's a reason right it was marketed correctly sold to the world right and look and then we got the other way we got we got the europeans coming over here right and they change the game too you know, yeah. we got the Euro step. I mean, it started yeah. with Sarunas and then we had Dirk and, and you know, Mine. all these other guys, Sabonis and, you know, Peja and, and all those cats. And and I think that that led to the internationalness of the game. But but if Mike and those guys and, and other players hadn't appealed to the world, then we wouldn't have got those guys who took the game so serious, who came back to give back to our game. Yeah. You know, yeah. and make no mistake about it. The culture of basketball is a hundred percent black. It is. It is just like rap music. It's a black art form, and yes. you know you can't deny it. And I think the fact that that's acknowledged by the the powers that be in the league, um, and the owners who are mostly white acknowledge it as well. We have this sport that appeals worldwide to to everyone, as does hip hop, and I yeah. think that that's why the league is is flourishing. I it's mean, strong. you know, that's the culture and the the maybe the um, political culture of 
the NBA. But you know, I, I applaud it. I'm I'm a yeah. huge fan, and I, yeah. I love you know I love basketball. I, I me and my dad's probably my favorite memories, and my father, rest in peace, are watching basketball, whether being at the Garden or Christmas or sitting on my couch and watching basketball. That is what we did um, religiously. Every year he came to New York and stayed with me for about a month, and we watched basketball. And that's what we did. And that's, to me, also um, part of my love for the game comes for my love of my father. Yeah, I love that. That's that's nice, man. And you, I think what you touched on is, like, the relevancy that the NBA has with kids now. Like, there's some strong leagues outside of the NBA. You know, we've got a great league down in Australia, the Australian NBL. But the relevancy around hip-hop culture and they just I just call it American culture with the NBA. Like they just can't be touched by these other leagues. Even down you here, you can't just call it. You can't just call it American culture. That's Black American culture. Black Don't American. get it twisted. Yeah, you know what I mean, like it's yeah. that's where it comes from. And look, yeah. Black people are strong, an important, strong part of America, right? And yeah. and the NBA, like the statement they made um, in the bubble. With the yeah. Black Lives Matter shirts and and all that, look, the NFL said, "Don't you can't kneel. We're gonna find you. You yeah. can't do that, right?" And and that's invented by Colin Kaepernick, Eric Reed, and the man's name's eluding me, but by a white guy who played in the NFL, who was a Green Beret, who told him that kneeling was the the way to pay respect in a protest because you kneel yeah. for a fallen fallen soldier, right? The yeah. NFL took that message and shit all over it. It was not yeah. done in disrespect. And they did it because they thought they'd lose advertising dollars for the flyovers at the Air Force. And we had the whole thing politicized. Colin Kaepernick got, got blackballed. The dickhead Trump was speaking on it, right? Yeah. And the NFL, 95% of the NFL owners contributed to the GOP. And it's like 80-something percent of the NBA. Don't get it twisted. But, yeah. but that said, the NBA in the bubble understood its workforce. And they respected yeah. the LeBron Jameses of the league. And they understood that... We have to allow the players to make this statement in in the wake of Eric Garner's Eric Garner and and Trayvon Martin and and George Floyd's deaths murders. Yeah. We have yeah. to acknowledge this, and they did acknowledge it, and they allowed people to express themselves by wearing shirts, jerseys that said Black Lives Matters. You know, yeah. and when I seen white players wear that, that touched me. Yeah, that was real. You can't like that was real, and I think when you see when you see guys like that was was sticking up for him, you know, maybe they were European players sticking up for their, for their brothers and for their friends. Like it, it, you couldn't not feel something, you know, it, it like stirred things in people and you're like, shit, the league has actually embraced um, something that's bigger than them. Um, and yeah, that, that they obviously cop some shit from the terrible racists you're always going to see on, on social media, but it started discourse and chat to educate everyday people who are hoop fans, I, I think that they, um, it was, it was um, very strong messaging, and yeah. very effective, and effective without being uh, didactic. You know, yes. it was just a shirt, just a jersey, and I was, I respected it. Um, I respected the action immensely. I thought it was, it was wonderful, and and you know. Um, I thought that the players deciding not to play and the league respecting that and creating the bubble, I think it gave the NBA a leg up even further on everyone. It said, we recognize the pandemic. We understand yes. the health health crisis that's going on in America. And honestly, we understand it better than the man running the country, right? And 
and you had his idiot son trying to throw shots at LeBron. And look, man, the NBA did it right. They did it correctly. Yeah. They paid respect to to black people in America because they had to respect its workforce. And its workforce is black Americans. And if you're part of the culture of hip hop and you're non-black and like myself, or if you're part of the culture of basketball and you're, you're you know, not a person of color, you have to pay respect and acknowledge people of color. Yeah. You know, it's their, it's, it's people of color's culture. It's black yeah. African-Americans culture. And we are, we are, allowed to to contribute and to participate but we must acknowledge where the culture comes from and and we do and that the yep. way the nba did that it acknowledged that and to me that was one of you know that was look muhammad ali refusing to fight the vietnam war because he he thought as a black american he didn't have to he should not have to defend american war he felt was unjust i feel yes. like this was probably other than jackie robinson and ali doing that the third you know, and Kaepernick, it's one of the most important political statements ever made in the history of sports. Yeah. And to me, yeah, it's another powerful. reason to love basketball. You know, yeah. we didn't talk basketball. I'm talking politics. We no, can talk good. basketball because, you know, it's, it's just, it's, I, I thought it was powerful that they did yeah. that. And, you know, I think it, it's such a great example for children, for kids. Yeah. It's, it's real, man. And, and I think, like, you can't, like, you can't acknowledge, the, you, you can't not acknowledge the, the role that 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 played in the in the turmoil last year, with COVID had the world all fucked up, you know, and then we had a perfect storm in a bad way, we you know where George where George Floyd was killed, and it was like the world sort of stood still, and the NBA decided, you know, they've always been a progressive league, but they were like, we're gonna take a stand, and and maybe like it it, it might seem shocking to some people to see the social media accounts of these teams you know, with 10, 15, 20 million followers standing up and supporting the, the black community. But this, these were these teams like putting a line in the sand. And like, for me, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm fucking proud to be part of the hoops community. You know what I mean? When I was talking to not my, maybe my friends in the States or, or just here in New Zealand, like I was like, I'm proud to be part of this community because it's really progressive. And Look, there's some probably some people I had to block that maybe I thought they were friends or colleagues before, but you saw people's true colors. Like it, that's real. I, mean, I had to tell a kid on Twitter. I said, "You cannot be a fan of the NBA if you don't yeah. support Black Lives Matters. If yeah. you are pro-Trump and you are furthering systemic racism, you cannot be a fan of the NBA. You can't love Black people. You you can't claim that you um, you can't support Donald Trump and claim you love Black people. To me, you can't." You can't be against Black Lives Matters and, and say you love black people to me. I don't believe that. I don't think that that's possible. And you cannot be, you should not be allowed to be an NBA fan and talk about basketball and claim you love basketball if you don't love black people. And if you're supporting Donald Trump and systemic racism and you don't support Black Lives Matters, then you are not a person who truly loves black people. And so therefore you should not be a fan of the NBA. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't that's love hip hop. There's a lot of racists out there who claim they love hip hop. You know, they yeah. know the words to every, you know, this, that, and the other. But you know what, man? They didn't support Black Lives Matter. And you're not really a hip hop fan. You're not welcome. And, and, and look, I'm I'm part of the house of hip hop. Like, yeah. but I am by no means the gatekeeper because I'm not a black man. But I'm telling you, you're not getting in the house if you, if you don't love black people and you don't respect black people and black culture. And the same goes to the NBA. And that, that also shows you 
the synergy between the NBA and hip hop. Yeah, 100%. And you can't, I think people now probably need to realize that, that maybe times have changed in the last five to 10 years, but in the last 12 to 18 months, like, man, it's crazy. It up. It's you know, and, and through, through tragedy, we got some, we hopefully got some growth. You know, yeah. George Floyd got killed, yeah. right? Yeah. But for once, the, the cop killer, you know, the cop who killed him, he didn't skate free. You know, just a few years earlier, Trayvon Martin got killed. Zimmerman got away. You know, a few years earlier, Eric Garner was choked to death. And that cop, all he did was lose his job. Nothing yeah. else. He got no, nothing else, right? So, yeah. you know, and and look, New York, people can think of it as progressive as it is. It's not that progressive because, you know, black men have been killed by cops traditionally in New York. I had a friend in high school, Michael Stewart, who was killed by transit police officers. It was a, a very yeah. big thing. This is in the 80s. And, and Eleanor Bumpers, it goes on and on. So, you know, the fact that we did have some some justice, I don't want to say absolute justice, but some justice was was paid. Look, the, I, do think, I do think the country was politicized and changed in the last 18 months in a way that it hadn't been in a very long time. And let's, yeah. hope, let's hope that the change keeps going because, you know, right now the tragedy would, to take our, would be to take the foot off the gas, to take our foot off the net, of these of these racists out here because you know that's there's no there's no place for that in this world in my world in my world it's never existed i've always been firmly aware of my white privilege you know and i was raised by political activists and uh i've always you know been pretty aware of of color and the effect of color on america but to see athletics be a champion for change and the NBA being a champion for that was very touching and confirmed all of the reasons I love basketball. Yeah, 100%. And uh, last year, and I didn't get to it because it was in a different city, but in New Zealand, in Auckland, we had thousands and thousands of people marching. And I was just like, it was totally unexpected. Like New Zealand is considered progressive in some ways, but... Um, I think, see, my like, perspective of New Zealand is it's extremely progressive. Yeah. I think New Zealand's one of the only countries where the indigenous people are empowered and treated as equals, if not if not um, their culture uh, pervades everything, right? Maori culture is kind of in the soil everywhere there. And and I think, you know, there's a, f- a female prime minister is extremely liberal. I yes. feel that, that, that New Zealand has um, some of the, the best um, tangible politics in the world because... Communism doesn't work, right? We know this, but but social liberalism or liberal socialism can work. Social democracy, and I think New Zealand's an example of that. Where yeah, you yeah. have free enterprise, but you yeah. also have some socialist kind of um, aesthetic to it. And I think it's it's you know from afar it looks like one of the more evolved and progressive um, political landscapes in the entire world. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that we are quite progressive as a country. Um, but I try personally to, to, you know, to, to think that we still have a ways to go, but there are some great things being done down here. And like, when you reel them off, yeah, like it's probably easy for me to look at the, the glasses being half empty, but when you reel them off, you know, some of the things we've done around some of the, the law reform prostitution, obviously we've got female prime minister and we're empowering, uh, multi down here, um, and trying to, to right some of the wrongs of, 
you know, the last couple of hundred years, like we, we are pretty blessed to live it, to live. Uh, I'm pretty blessed to live down here in New Zealand. I think, I mean, you just, you just got to look at how Maoris are, Maoris are treated, right? The native New Zealanders are treated far better than native Americans. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, and, and look at Australia, man, Aborigines are, are second class citizens in Australia. You know, I've been to Australia. I've never been to New Zealand is a country that's steeped in racism and classism. And, yeah. you know, in New Zealand, you have the natives, the Maoris. And, you know, I, from what I understand, all people are taught some form of uh, Maori history in New Zealand in a way that we don't learn about Native Americans in America. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I say that that alone makes it seem to me like a progressive place. It's one of my bucket list places to go. I need to go there um, and just be there for a minute. And the, I think the one reason I haven't gone is because I want to go for a while. I don't yes. want to go for like a week. I want to go for a couple of weeks because I'll yeah. probably only make it there one time in my life. <laughs> man, we we would love we would love to have you down here, man. It's a it it is a beautiful place. Like um, there's there's a bit of there's a little bit of a of hoop culture down here as well. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a wonderful place, man. Lots of great music, great food, great people. I got to come, man. I, and also the the land itself looks majestic to me, you know. It looks it's just beautiful. so beautiful. It's, yeah, it's so I need I need place. to do it. And, I, and um, I'm always fascinated by Maori culture. It's always been very interesting to me. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Maori culture is, is, is amazing. And, and we are making some great steps in, in terms of, um, you know, promoting our the indigenous culture of the Maori people. And it's a it's a thing that's um, that needs to get more airtime. But that what's happened in the last 12 to 18 months has actually meant that people have have decided to educate themselves more on, on how we can right some of the wrongs of yesteryear. And like, that's as individuals, that's all we can do is, is try to, you know, put ourselves in others' shoes and, uh, and try and better yourself and to help out your, your brothers and sisters, you know? I feel you, you know, yeah. America, we got a long way to go, man. We had this dude who took us back, you know, he, he took us back and all the, all the races came out, out the closet. You know, yeah. the only thing I thank him for is now I get to see who's who. Yeah. You know, now I get to know who's, who's a racist and who isn't. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, look, I'm like, I'm liberal as could be. And anyone who knows me knows that my politics are pretty front and center. And, um, I just, you know, I don't keep my mouth shut about things and look, man, America, we, we regressed those last four years were a regressive portion. We weren't in a great place before that, regardless yeah. of having our first first black man as a president. We still weren't in a great place. And and you know, we, we made strides, but in America we have um, a financial and class war that is probably unparalleled. The difference between the haves and the have nots is very extreme in America and you know, the privatization of healthcare directly affects people of color and working class people um, who, you know, white working class people and, and working class people across the, the country in, in a way that is um, unjust. And we, we have a long way to go to get our country back in order. And, you know, I've never really been a huge fan of the American political machine. I do vote Democrat. Um, but, you know, man, we got a long way to go, man. And I don't know. I don't know if we'll get there in my lifetime. You know, yeah. I, probably not. Yeah, it's it. I've, I mean, I've been a few times. It's actually crazy. Um, the night that Trump got voted in, I was in uh, Palo Alto and, um, you know, the Bay Area in California. And um, 
I was we were just rocking around expecting that um Hillary was was gonna get in and like when when Trump um got voted in, like it was that night we were out at this Italian restaurant and it was like a bomb had dropped or something. Like the mood you could like almost feel it was it was fucking crazy. You you just couldn't it was like and it was like extreme shock. It was extreme shock. I was in LA. Yeah. And I went, I was with a friend watching the election. And then we went to a restaurant to watch the election. And we all could not believe what was happening. I had one friend and he drove me to the airport the next day to go home. And he said, hey, you got to give him a shot. Maybe it won't be that bad. And I have, I reamed him and I have destroyed him (laughs) for the past four years. And he always, he's always like, like, I know I'm so fucking wrong. I can't believe I didn't know. And I was like, I'm from New York. I know, you know, because we, we, we saw Donald Trump's stupid ass forever. Um, You know, let that guy, fuck that guy. That's all I can. That's like as much as I want to say. And you know what? Every time I ever been to Madison Square Garden, or Yankee Stadium, they showed him on the screen. He got booed my entire life. He always got booed. They show him at the Nick game. Boo! You know I mean? he, <laughs> never, he never got any love in New York. So, uh, you know, that just says it all. If your own home don't like you, how the hell are you going to be the president? You know? And he he probably knows nothing about basketball because he's a chump. Pro- probably not. He is a fucking chump. We, we're going to finish up talking about... um. The NBA Finals. Have you managed to watch much of the NBA Finals? Yeah, I watched every game so far. I mean, Phoenix yeah. is going to do it. I think it's just a yeah, matter nice. of when. They did get blown out yesterday, but you know Milwaukee was going to get at least one at home. But yeah. I, I just, you know, look, they got the home court advantage, and I just think it's Chris Paul's time to get the ring. I think he's going to yeah. get it. Devin, Devin Booker's unstoppable. He's yeah. an unstoppable player. He's another one of the young guys who's really exciting. He can do everything. You yeah. know, he's a great player. I, I have... Uh, I like the team, man. I like how they rebuilt the whole team. You know, Monty Williams was a stiff when the Knicks drafted him. He was a bum. <laughs> yeah. After being an All-American at Notre Dame. But, you know, um, he's a great coach. And yeah. I think that that team is going to win it. I think they'll be, yeah. you know, and it's Chris Paul probably only got this year or next year. Next year is his last hurrah if you don't get it this year. And I think he's going to get it this year. I think yeah, the team will pull it out. Yeah. As you know, I'm a, I'm a Chris Paul guy. And I think it's it's just cra- it's. I'm happy for him because there are a lot of great players. Like we've talked about Stockton, um, obviously Carl Malone, Barkley. Yo, I, I, I got to tell you, I hated I hated John Stockton's game. I never <laughs> liked watching him, and he was a he was a dirty player. He always yeah. he always you know leg check. He always yeah. hit you with the legs on the thighs, and and that's the cheapest shit you could do. The knee and the thigh when you play basketball, you threw a lot of elbows. I never liked the, the Utah Jazz or John Stockton. He was a great player. His fundamentals were, were incredibly sound. Yeah. And he could pass. He, he had a great handle, but I never liked watching him. Yeah. Chris Paul, when he's healthy, I love watching him. I do think he he has uh, made some critical mistakes in big moments, and, and I hope he doesn't make it this year. I'd like to see him redeem himself because he is a magnificent player when he's healthy. Yeah, 100, 100%. And, and I think that um, you know the small guards – Small guards' careers, they just don't usually last that long. They start, you know, you look at Isaiah Thomas, like these guys' bodies break down and usually break down, yeah. Early 30s. They don't they don't usually go and like so Chris Paul is gone and I listened to a podcast that Dwayne Wade was on and 
Dwayne Wade was talking about how Chris changed his entire training regime and his diet just so he could go and, and go to this level. And previously, if he'd had that injury in the first round, he probably goes out. Right. True you indeed. Know? I know he's a vegan now or vegetarian. Yeah, vegan. Which, which is yeah. interesting too. A lot of a lot of guys in the NBA are are vegan or vegetarian, which I think is is really cool. They, you know, the myth that you need to be a meat eater, um, yes. you need to be a carnivore to be an athlete is gone. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the, that's the education and the progressiveness around the NBA is that we we're seeing guys make decisions for their career around, you know, like I'm going to sign with a different shoe company. I'm going to have a different appetite and I'm not appetite. I'm going to have a different diet. Um, and some of these things are, are being proven out through performance. And um, it just goes to show that the NBA is in such a great place. Hey man, Chris Paul, man, he's a great player. He should, you know, all the great ones should walk away with the ring. Often they don't. Nash didn't get one. Barkley didn't get one. Malone didn't get one. Stockton didn't get one. You know, so so I'd love Ewing didn't get one. It would be really good to see Chris Paul not be on that list. Uh, all the guys I mentioned, I wish they had all gotten rings, particularly Ewing. But but I'm also I also like a I have a love hate relationship with Pat Ewing's game. <laughs> Pat choked when it counted. He always had hard hands, and he he played outside a lot. And yeah. um, you know that dunk yesterday, the dunk that I referenced was Scotty Duncan on Pat. <laughs> when oh, he, he swung his nuts in his face and walked over <laughs> him, pointing. I mean, it's like, you know, it doesn't get any uglier than that. For the for Knicks fans, that's an all timer, man. And like those, and that's what made the like the '90s so great was their those moments are forever etched in in hoops culture. Like that, those dunks, they'll just never. And the internet age, the, the, one positive about the internet age is that stuff can be relived over and over. It's fucking great. I mean, just think about how physical the Knicks were. Anthony Mason, he fell out in the first quarter nowadays. Yeah. Oakley. Like Anthony Mason and Oakley, those guys were Starks, those guys were savages. They were animals. Just they did not give a shit. And then, you know, every other team had every couple of teams had guys. LaCar Malone was a, a butcher. Like yeah. the 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 pistons. The you pistons. know, you had guys like Bill Cartwright and, and Dennis Rodman on the Bulls. Like, yeah. you know, those guys were there was every team had a couple of those kind of players like you know yeah. and yeah. and the player i did mention who who um i always put him in the top top 10 and everyone talks about the greatest centers of all time and it's not a big man centric league anymore but for me it's always kareem and it's always kareem and hakeem yes. those are always the guys and hakeem was the game changer the first yeah. mobile big man right yes. he could put it on the floor and he could Amazing. shoot the, he could shoot the this 15-footer, and he had a great inside game. His footwork, played tremendous defense and could pass. He, to yeah. me, was like Bill Walton 2.0 because Bill Walton could pass, and he had great footwork. But what you don't see in the NBA anymore is what Hakeem was capable of doing, a high post offense. No one yes. runs that anymore. Hakeem was yeah. probably the last guy who excelled at running that. And it was, yes. it was really – it was always awesome to watch him play. He was such a mathematician, a strategist on the, on the court. And I always yeah. really loved his big his big man game, and he changed the whole way big man played. Without him, Dirk Nowitzki doesn't play the way he plays. Yes, you know because Nowitzki yeah. was a big man who could put it on the floor as well. And and I love the way the game has evolved. We have all these guys who have these multi, you know, we have these skill sets that didn't exist. I mean, you know, whether it's Luca or or um, Embiid. I mean, uh, of course, and you know, it's like it doesn't. I mean, Embiid though, 
you know, Embiid is like, he's an enigma to me because he's so good, but he, I don't know, man. Maybe it's the coaching. He just, he, he always, it always goes wrong when it shouldn't go wrong at the end, you know? And that, yeah, um, that really bothers me. Um, yeah. It bothers the shit out of me. Give me one second. I just got to, got to get rid of this call. Um, That's right. Pick it up. Um, and, and, um, I mean, look at look at fucking Jokic, Jokic. Like he's amazing. Look at his skill set. It's unbelievable. The guy can do everything, and and yes. he's slow. He's slow, yeah. yet he does yeah. everything. How is that possible? Yeah, he he defies the, the the gravity of also the he defies the laws of of um, physics basically because you think here's a guy like six eleven two seventy, um, and you basically he'll shoot threes, but you can't guard the guy because. He's just so crafty and able to get to his spot. So he'll get to the rim, and you could have the, you could have Embiid or Stephen Adams, another guy, some of the strongest guys in the league guarding him, and it doesn't matter. He has a floater. He can shoot the three, lays it up, um, crazy behind the as, back. Has a good handle. Up. Got a yep. good handle. Can pass the ball. His footwork crazy. is magnificent. And what I notice about the Europeans is, they, they do something a lot of NBA players don't do. Spider does it. Few guys do it, but they do this thing that American players don't do as much. They are incredibly adept at moving without the ball. Yes, they know how to get to their spot on the floor in a yeah. way. And Pedro, Pedro was a, an example that Pedro Stajakovic always did it. You always yes. knew what he wanted to do, but he always got to that spot to get his shot off, and he always shot from the right side, right? Yeah. So you, you look at these guys, man, Jokic and and Luca and. You know, these guys can, they can get to the spots they want to get to on the floor in a way that's uncanny. And it, it, Dirk did it too. It's a fundamental thing that the Europeans have in their game. And it's only evolved more because Jokic is not smart. Luka is not, hey, he's no Trey Young. He's fast, but he ain't that fast. Yes, yes. And be, being able to to move off the boards is, is a skill that, I mean, it, it's always been in the league, but it wasn't until you it was probably popularized when we think about the modern game with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson or, or JJ Redick is another one. These amazing shooters that are able to get to their spots. And um, Redick was definitely that because like, Redick was a great shooter, but he wasn't super fast, right? Yes. He had a good handle, but, but I mean, Steph Curry, you can't deny him his spot on the floor because he's super fast. Yeah. You're not going to stop that. Trey Young too. Like those guys are blinding speed, but you have guys like Luca and, and Jokic, who are not that fast, who can always get to their spot, right? They can create that space on the floor. And, and you know, I mean, homeboy, Porzingis to a lesser degree, but Porzingis, he's going to be an underachiever. He's always hurt, and he's got a funky attitude. But, but you know, I think um, it's a marvel to watch. Man, the NBA is in good hands. I'm enthused about the NBA these days. Yeah, me too, man. The one me thing too. the NBA lacks is, is defense. There's not a lot of guys who like to play defense anymore. <laughs> It's a lost yeah. art form. Yeah, it's not. Um, and and even though there are great defenders, the offenses now are of such high caliber, and the coaching is, is of um, that is, is so structured around the defensive sets that if there's one guy who's a marginal defender, then you run a pick and roll at him fifteen times in a row, and that's why this this season we saw five of the top seven offenses with were five of the highest scoring offenses of all time. It's an offensive league. 
And and I think Golden State is the team that turned the corner on that. Right? Golden yeah. State were like, we can outscore everyone. We got one guy who really plays defense, one and a half guys who defend, and we're just going to outscore you every day. And, and you know, the league has, you know, a lot of players emulated that style. A lot of leagues mm-hmm. have emulated that style. A lot of, of teams, I mean. So, you know, that's where we are right now. But look, the NBA is exciting. And, yeah. and I think, I also think that to talk about the finals, if the Nets hadn't got hurt, they'd be in the finals. Yeah, with that team. I think the Nets, the Nets had a better team than the Bucs. They just had yeah. injuries. I, I yeah. think if all three all three of the guys are healthy, they beat the Bucs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they look how close they were. Kevin Durant, you know, was one one toenail away from, from winning that game w- without two of their best players. James Harden healthy, they win. Not yeah, even um, all three. And if Kyrie and James... Look, if that team, if they can keep that team together and they're all healthy next year, they, they're probably going to win it. I think they win it next year. They, pro- they can stay healthy. Win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they're healthy, they'll win you a know. couple. Yeah, I mean, they got to keep that team together. It's hard to keep that team together. But also, Homeboy was out all year, right? Um, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, why am I drawing the blank? Spencer. Uh, Spencer. Uh, yeah, he was out all year. If he's yeah. back next year, too, forget it. There's another if he's healthy. Pick. They got all four of those guys. Healthy on the floor at all time. Who's beating that team? No, no one's beating that team. They're I don't great. think anyone's beating them. Yeah. So no, I don't know. <laughs> Thanks. Um, we're gonna close this one out, man. Thank you so much for jumping on. And um, yeah, we talked about a whole bunch of stuff, and it's always great to to check in with people that I've you know talked a bit of hoops with online. And um, yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, like eighty percent of my tweets these days are since since Trump's yeah. out are basketball driven. <laughs> That's pretty much what I tweet about. So <laughs> it's good, man. And that that like that's where it's at. Like I love I love that part of Twitter. You never know who you're gonna chat to and um and yeah, hoops is hoops is life in so many ways. Yeah, man. Yeah. You have a you have a really great day, my friend. You too, man. Good talking to you. Let me know when this goes up. I wanna I wanna spread it around. Of course, of course, my man. Thank you. Peace.